Welcome to the Life Success Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, we want to welcome um, our listeners back to another edition of the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm especially excited uh, about the podcast today and our guest, Mary Jo Ehrman. Um, but I don't know that I'm as excited as my wife is. Um, my wife grew up as part of a multi-generational family farm, and Mary Jo comes from a farming background and is very passionate about teaching IBC to farmers and ranchers, et cetera. And uh, hey, Mary Jo, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Mary Jo, um, my experience from people from North Dakota is that they are highly intelligent and typically tougher than most people. Can you confirm or deny that? I will confirm that we are super <laughs> stubborn. <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, I will say I only have a, I have a small sample size being you, so... <laughs> No, that's not true. Actually, um, one of our team members, um, shout out to Matt Zimmer. Uh, he's an associate coach with us, and he was up in North Dakota for a while. Uh, he is a pastor. Um, they've oh. since, since brought him back down to Kansas, but he was up in that area for a while and really loved it. Although I will say, when he got assigned to the church, he moved his family on January 1st to North Dakota. Well, I guess if you're going to jump in, jump in. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been a little cold, right? Yeah, maybe just, I mean, you could, it depended on the day, but yeah, he, he got a real, he didn't get a warm welcome. <laughs> no, <laughs> put no, it that no, way. No. That's right. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us. And um, I just want to say um, you're now the author of two books. Um, the first one, which for our team has been really, really a helpful tool in reaching out to people in our farming and ranching community. And many on our team have family or connections to folks in, in that line of work. Um, and then your sec so that's the first book is farming without the bank. I love that title. Your second book is wealth without the bank or wall street. And we'll talk a little bit about those books and your passion for farming and ranching and, and et cetera. Um, I'm curious, would you first tell us, how did you get introduced to infinite banking? I actually was um, offered or somebody in somebody local here was looking for a admin um, and I was already in the PNC business. And so they, you know, they said, Oh, we're looking for an office manager. I said, what do you do? They said life insurance. I said, I hate life insurance. I don't want anything to do with it, but if you're going to pay me more, I'll at least entertain it. Mm -hmm. And so I went, found out what they were doing and the rest is history. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was true. Right. So mm -hmm. you, I read, um, six books in five weeks and I don't think I moved from the couch for five weeks. Yeah. And I thought, well, this is crazy that this is true. The world must know. And here I am today telling the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and you, uh, at some point, um, met the man, Nelson Nash, who mm -hmm. wrote, the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, um, and you have since uh, been a presenter at the um, Nelson Nash Institute, the think tank that's coming up here in February, where we'll actually get to see each other and um, 
we will actually, Mike Everett and I will be on stage as well, um, sharing and teaching with other IBC practitioners. Um, tell us a little bit about how the book, your first book, Farming Without the Bank, how it, how it came to be. What was the inspiration? And talk about that a little bit. You know, I, I had to sit down at some point in the early part of my career. I had to sit down and figure out who I wanted to do business with and who I was good at doing business with. And I had, at that point, I had had a couple farmers as clients and I just loved it. I, because I came from that background, I was raised on a farm ranch operation. My dad was a purebred breeder for 30 years. Um, and now he and my brother still farm together, but I, I just, I loved it. I mean, I can talk about calving and crops and haying all day long, you know, Mm -hmm, and I want, mm -hmm. and I have this desire to learn about it. And so when I talk to farmers in the South, like I want to learn how is cotton grown? How are almonds grown? How Mm -hmm. are peanuts grown? Like your vegetables and your fruits and stuff that we don't have here in North Dakota. And so it's just, I had this desire to just help them. And so what happened is I would tell them how I could help them and they would tell me I was full of it, that there is no possible way this would work. I don't understand what they do. And so um, one thing farmers do is they read and your successful farmers are constantly reading, constantly educating themselves. And so I thought, well, fine, if you don't believe me, then I'm going to put it in a book with your (laughs) terminology And I'm going to have you read it because then you're going to understand what I'm trying to say rather than just tell me it's not going to work and walk away. Mm -hmm. And of course I was doing this at the time when corn was, you know, $7, six, six to $7 a bushel. And so at that point they, you know, they would look at me and just say, well, I don't need anything from you because I don't even need the bank at this point. So, well, today's it's a little different when corn is four and a quarter a bushel, but at the end of the day, it is, they read now they can read the book they can read it in their terminology they can understand that this i have this operating note i'm buying equipment i'm you know hand in land off to the kids how does that all look and so with those case studies in the book it helps them understand how they can apply it to their operation because their operation might not be like anybody else's operation mhm do you find that when farmers will take the time to read your book that in most cases it clicks for them? Um, I don't, I don't know what most would be, mm-hmm. but it does click for them. A lot of mm-hmm. them will call and I'm sure you guys hear the same thing. Where was this 20 years ago? Yeah. All the how time. come, how come, right? <laughs> how come we didn't know about this 20 years ago? How come this wasn't around when I was younger? Um, and so I think that w- the hardest thing for them is understanding where they're going to get the cash from to start the process and, and still being open enough to see that not everybody's numbers are the same. So mm-hmm. in the book, I have hundred thousand dollar illustrations, you know, hundred thousand dollar premium. That's a lot of money. That wasn't a lot of money when I wrote the book, but that's Mm -hmm. a lot of money today. Well, cut it in half, quarters, it doesn't matter. It's all relative. The numbers are all going to stay the same. But we have to be, Nelson Nash talks about 
being creative. You have to think. You have to use your imagination, reason, and logic in order to understand that it can still work. It's just going to mm-hmm. be a little bit different. It's, it's just going to be half the size if you cut it in half. But you have to start somewhere. So that's probably the biggest challenge after mm-hmm. they read the book is getting over that little hump and saying, okay, I can do this. Um, and, and this is what it might look like. So, let's, you know, let's, let's touch on that just a little bit deeper. Um, let, let's say there's a farmer or rancher out there listening to this podcast. And we actually just met with a, a farmer who's right up on the, uh, the Kansas, Nebraska border and a uh, great guy. He, um, I said, you know, uh, he wanted to meet and talk. And I said, Hey, you know, we, we can save you the trip. We do a lot of this, uh, through the internet. He goes, yeah, I'm not that guy. I'll, I'll go ahead and drive down and meet you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yep, I mm-hmm. totally can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> with that, uh, with the farmers and ranchers that are out there listening, um, the term that we use a lot of times when people say, well, how do you get started? Where do you find the capital to get started? We use the term activator and people come up with all kinds of activators that might be money they have in their savings. It may be extra money they're putting towards credit cards. It may be um, uh, tax return. You know, it could be lots of things. For farmers, can you paint a picture of what are examples of ways that they're able to capitalize their IBC systems? So a lot of farmers don't understand what they're doing with cash. We understand that we have cash flow that's going out to the bank. And we understand that we're selling a commodity, right? But when I sit down and I look at their numbers, because I'm not going in depth when I look at a client's numbers, I am just, I just want general numbers, but I can mm-hmm. see immediately where money is going just because are you buying things to avoid taxes? If you do that and you're doing that with cash, why is that cash not going into a policy first? And then you can borrow against it and still go buy your piece of equipment at the end of the year to get that tax write off. Mm. So are you utilizing cash correctly? Because there are some farmers right now that are struggling. Maybe they don't have a lot of cash, but there are a lot of farmers out there that have cash. I'm talking to them all the time. Yeah. Um, are we, do we understand cash flow? Do we have to look at how long did you finance that piece of equipment? How long did you finance that land? Most of these guys are financing land 10 to 15 years. And they're putting themselves in a really bad position because what happens when commodity prices are low and we finance that ground for 10 years, finance it for 20 or 30 years, forget about the interest rate, put the difference into a policy. You're going to make a 10-year payment. If you were going to make a payment on a 10-year loan versus a 20-year loan, take the difference between those two, put it in a policy, and at 10 years, you're going to be able to pay that land off anyway from the bank if you wanted to. But now you have access to that money. So just teaching teaching them and looking at cash flow, what what's coming in and how are we handling it? Because a lot of your farmers don't have a savings account. They don't have an IRA to go to. They don't have some 401k. They don't have anything saved. So we have to look at where that money is going today in order to find out how are we going to start this thing? I'm curious, um, you, you mentioned IRAs, savings, you know, those kinds of things, retirement accounts. Um, 
what is your experience with farmers? Do what percentage of them would you say that you talk with actually plan to retire? Because <laughs> because my experience is a lot of farmers don't care to retire. They just want to be able to continue to farm. They might be able to scale back or maybe you know hand it off to a, a child, but they really don't want to stop farming because it's their passion. It's their love. Um, I don't know if I would agree with that, Chris. Okay. I would think I from what I can tell. They mm-hmm. want to stop, but they didn't plan, so they can't stop. Ah. And if they stop, they have to sell the ground in order to retire. And if they sell the ground, they have tax implications. Mm-hmm. So I can't, mm-hmm. right? I mean, my body's falling apart, and I love what I do. Absolutely, there's a passion. I mean, it's in your blood. It's not leaving. You're born there. It is not. You never get rid of it. I mean, I have not lived on the farm for years, decades, and it's there. Like, I love to go home. I love the dirt. I love the cows. I love all that stuff. And so once it's in you, it's in you. But at the end of the day, they know they have to retire. They know they have to hand it off. But the, how are we going to hand it off, to be fair? Mm-hmm. How are we going to hand it off when we are going to have to pay capital gains on that? And how is the next generation going to be able to afford it? And so that's where this comes in. And is a massive part of their estate planning. Because if we can leave some death benefit to the off the farm kids, then the farm kid could just have the farm, right? And when we set up a policy, we don't just set up a policy that has a level death benefit. We're setting up a policy that's growing. With inflation, well, the land is also growing in value. Mm -hmm. So now we're not in an estate problem of, oh my gosh, the off the farm kids have this level death benefit that I bought 30 years before I died. No, it all grows. And so that's one strategy. The next strategy is what if the kids on the farm, they should be buying life insurance on mom and dad if mom and dad don't have anything. So when it comes time to buy out their siblings, they have the availability to do that. But if mom and dad aren't planning to retire, they almost can't. Mm. If you haven't put that plan into place, you can't do it. And I can tell you out of thousands of farmers that I've talked to, I've maybe, maybe I'm going to stretch it and maybe say a dozen have planned. Maybe. I don't even think Uh, it's one. I don't even think it's 1% of people I talk to. And it is rare that they have an estate plan. I mean, I've probably talked to five that have actually had an estate plan. They sat down with an attorney. They talked to all the kids it's typically a big secret. The kids don't know what's coming. So the kids can't plan. So what you do is you have the kids plan because mom and we don't know what mom and dad are doing. So you, the kid has to plan if they're taking over because we don't know, right? If dad dies yeah. tomorrow, we don't know. Do we have to buy out our siblings? Do we get anything? Yeah. What, what happens? What happens if dad dies and mom doesn't die? Does she want to even be on the farm anymore? Because at 70 years old, 75, mom wants to move to town. Dad's been the one that wants to stay on the farm. And so now she wants to move to town and the next generation has to buy it or they have to pay for her to live in town because the kid on the farm is paying for mom to live in town or she's living off a land rent, which isn't horrible. However, what happens if you don't have long-term care and you didn't plan? Now you lost the land of the nursing home. So. Planning is planning is 
for farmers, unlike for farmers and business owners, because farming is a business and you need to run it like a business and you're not going to have a business in town that doesn't plan. So, but your typical person like us that are employed, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. your typical employees, they don't have to worry so much about those things. And so your but your farmers need to, because where are you, what happens? You, this is what I always tell them. You work your ass off to build it. Why don't you think about how you're going to protect it? Right. right. Instead, you get up every day, every single day and you do what you do, but you don't protect it. That does not make any sense to me. Yeah. What do you think uh, with, with the, the farmers and ranchers that you're in communication with, um, are there ideas connected to IBC that you see that they really struggle with or get stuck on? Um, you know, as you're communicating to them, are there, do you see a repeated pattern of they just can't get past this piece? Do you run into that? Um, I don't. Sometimes they do. Because they just, they think it's too good to be true is probably mm-hmm. the biggest challenge. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys see that as well. If, if everybody was doing it, why, if it was so good, why isn't everybody doing it? Um, but if they get it, they get it. Yeah. If they want to see it, they'll see it. So I don't mm-hmm. know that there's a huge struggle that we ever have to get past. Mm-hmm. Because once, once people read my book, you either want to do it or you don't. Mm-hmm. You either see the value or you don't. And it's not because my book is some holy grail. It's because it's there's case studies in there and it's laid out very clear. And so the only thing that would stop you is the only thing that I've ever seen is maybe, you know, some family member says, no, this isn't, you can't do this or don't do that because, you know, some talking head said it's bad or whatever. But Again, if you didn't do your due diligence and research it yourself, then you're going to be stuck in that position. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you're not a follower anyway. You're already a leader because you're listening. Yes. <laughs> we we do attract a different breed, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> which, which tells you what we are. <laughs> We're part of that group. Sure right? Yeah. Yep. Mary Jo, um, so we talked a little bit about farming without the bank, um, but you've got a, a second book, Wealth Without the Bank or Wall Street. Talk a little bit about why you decided to write that book. Um, I was almost forced to write that book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like sit down and go, "Oh, I want to be an author of a dozen books." Um, I had a lot of farmers that have kids that aren't on the farm, mm-hmm. and they wanted to share it with them because my farmers are excited. They can see, they can see that you can do this with anything. It doesn't matter what you do in life. If you have money and you're breathing, you need to, you should be doing the infinite banking concept. And so they really were like, can you, these numbers are so big. Can you rewrite this for somebody that doesn't farm? And so after many requests, I said, okay, fine. So it's basically the same book. I mean, I'm not going to lie to anybody. It's basically mm-hmm. the same book. It's just that the wealth without the banker wall street, I have added a couple of chapters. And so why don't you pay for your kids college or why shouldn't you pay for your kids college 
and how that's affecting your retirement to pay cash for that. Um, and why the fees, just breaking down the fees in a 401k and IRA and the market scam chapter, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot mm-hmm. more detail in that chapter about, you know, the liquidity control and guarantees of life insurance that you can't get anywhere else. So it's not a ton different. It's mm-hmm. just, um, it's just made more for the non-farmer. Yeah. Well, you know, my background is education and the key to teaching is figuring out how to take a concept and put it in language or learning style so that it resonates with the learner. And that's what Mm -hmm. you're doing is you're saying, hey, you know, your clients, your farmer said, look, the farming without the bank is great for us. But my kid who's not on the farm doesn't get it Mm -hmm. or their numbers are just different. So kudos to you for for taking their their uh, request and writing another book that's fantastic and putting i i really the key to everything that i do is i try to make it really simple and i've gone back when i wrote my books i'll go back and actually use smaller not as far as quantity of letters but smaller words instead of using these big financial terms that nobody understands and because if we understood them we would all be in the finance world I didn't understand them when I got into this because I wasn't ever in the finance world. And it would irritate me when people would throw around these big words and I didn't know what that meant. And so I really, people will always say, oh, that was such a quick read. I mean, it takes two to three hours to read the books. So they're like, oh my gosh, that was so simple. Because I remember how I struggled and I was never like that. I wasn't that 4.0 student. Hey, so I was that kid that when you were in the education world, I was that challenging kid. (laughs) I was like, how are we going to get her to learn this? So I, for me to be able to teach it that way is pretty easy because I know what I need. I mean, I kind of know where I need to start. And so Mm -hmm. everybody loves that because it's easy to understand it. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, um, one of the illustrations in your book inspired me. It was, it was the, the point that my brain kind of exploded and we actually, it's, it's the one that talks about the difference between, um, you know, when you use cash and how you're interrupting the compounding interest Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that, so we developed that into a drawing that we use every single boot camp, every single interaction that I have with a client, I use that drawing. And mm-hmm. actually, Mike Crawford, who is on the call as well, he's in the background doing our, our recording. He is actually right now creating a video scribe of that drawing that we do. So you'll have to check that out when we get that awesome. uh, up on our website. But thanks again. That that drawing in there has and I get even Mike's uh, wife, Mary, she said, that's the drawing when it clicked for me. Mm-hmm. So thanks to you of being the initiator and, and inspiring uh, what we use now in our boot camps. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be, as we kind of wrap up here, what would be the one or two key things that you would want to someone to walk away with from your uh, one, either one of your books? What would be the thing that you would want to leave people with or they might expect to walk away with after reading one of your books? Um, I would say the one of the big things is to realize that you can get away from the banking system. You can get back the control that you you're controlling your operation and you don't have to answer to the bank. It's not that we're 
we're saying that the banks are bad or that your banker is bad. We're just saying make them plan B rather than plan A. Um, and it's not going to, it's not going to happen overnight. So keep that in mind as well. It didn't, you didn't start farming 5,000 acres overnight. You didn't have 500 head of cattle overnight. That came, that was a process. And so make sure that you allow this process to happen and that you don't think that, well, because I can't do it before I'm dead, I'm not doing it. Well, you got to start somewhere. That had been like saying, well, if I can't start with 500 head of cattle, I'm not going to start. You know, don't get into that thought process, Mm -hmm. but understand that you have to plan. You have to save what you built. Otherwise, I don't understand why you're getting up every day to do it. So just read it and implement it and get started. Because if you don't, where is your, where is your family operation going to be in two or three generations? If we don't plan with high commodity prices, we can't expect to get through the low. We have to constantly be planning and banking worst case scenario. So you're going to get a lot of that in the book. You're going to understand the cash flow and it's just, it's a start and it's a great start Mm -hmm. to something nobody else is teaching you. Well, we are recording this. Uh, It'll come out a little bit later, but we are recording this at the beginning of January 2019. And I'm reminded in physics, uh, a body in motion remains in motion unless there's something that changes. So if you are a farmer, rancher, or anybody else out there, and you don't want your 2019 to look just like your 2018, you'd like it to improve, um, and, and what Mary Jo is, is talking about resonates with you, I highly recommend you get a copy of Mary jo, one of Mary Jo's books, Farming Without the Bank or Wealth Without the Bank or Wall Street. And her website, you can get to this on farmingwithoutthebank.com, and we'll have these posted um, in, in our uh, post with the podcast. And, of course, we always, and I think Mary Jo would say the same Um, In fact, I know she would because this is probably what she's going to be talking about at the think tank to other uh, IBC practitioners is go back to the source. And that is Nelson Nash and Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And we always, I think 100% of the time, always wrap up our podcast with saying, if you have not read Nelson Nash's book, I would tell you, get Mary Jo's books and Nelson's book and get a full exposure to uh, the infinite banking concept. Read the book, go through it quickly, don't get caught up in all the details and start to get a sense of what is this concept about when you get to take control of your own banking uh, banking function. It's really, really phenomenal. Mary Jo Ehrman, I want to thank you so much. This time has gone by way too fast. (laughs) I look forward to chatting with you when we're down in Birmingham at the Think Tank. And I I hope that you would be willing to come back on our podcast and we can go a little bit deeper sometime uh, in the future. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. Mary Jo Ehrman, thanks so much and uh, have a great day. Um, To those listeners, again, we encourage you to go to lifesuccesslegacy.com. If you have not gotten a copy of Nelson Nash's book, 
Um, we recommend that you get a copy and read it. Of course, you can always reach out to us. Any of our team members would be love, lo- would love to talk with you about your situation and how IBC might be of benefit to you. And again, also um, check out Mary Jo's books and what she has to offer at farmingwithoutthebank.com. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time.